to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There are certainly times when somebody is going to come into church and they are going to feel guilty because they are guilty, but the answer is just repentance and receiving God's grace again. But I want you to know, and I want us to know, and I have learned this over the years. You know, God loves me. He's not mad at me. He's not disappointed at me. He's not wanting to just constantly slap me around because, you know, I'm just not living up. When I think that way, it's because I put a standard that God hasn't put. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, in a message titled, O Foolish Galatians. Now, here's Pastor Brian. God's unmerited favor directed toward us because of what Jesus did. So, again, now, of course, there are some who are very aggressive and, 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 you know, intentionally do teach that we need to add to what Christ did by our works. I think probably most of us here, most, most of you listening to me right now, I think you probably do reject that. But, you know, it's still possible that we can subtly fall under that. Even though we know that that isn't the case, isn't it true that sometimes if we think about if we think about the way we're thinking, we would have to conclude that, well, that must be what I think. Do you know how many people have said to me over the years, people that I know are Christians, I think most of the time they know they're Christians, but, you know, they have those moments where I've had many people say to me, you know, Pastor, I just, you know, I I know I love Jesus, but I'm just not sure in the end if I'm going to make it. You know what that says? That says that however subtly it is, you are somehow thinking that you have to contribute to your salvation. You have to do something to to make sure in the end that you're going to be there. You're going to be there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Relax. Because Jesus did the work. And as a Christian, trusting him. You know, I know, I have absolute confidence I'm going to heaven. And I don't think for a split second that that has anything to do with me in the sense that, well, of course I'm going to go to heaven. You know, I'm not just a Christian, I'm a pastor. (laughs) No, I I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm I'm in part of God's kingdom. I know I'm going to be there forever. And you know why I have absolute confidence in that? Because Jesus did everything that needed to be done. And I just simply believe that that is true. And that's the way salvation works. And if we ever find ourselves wondering, you know, I'm just not sure if I'm going to make it, then it just shows that we've somehow shifted into that mindset of, of a works-based salvation. And I'm, what I'm saying to you today is just get that out of your head. Just reject it because it's not reality. It's not the way it works. We are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ. Thirdly, We are foolish when we think the flesh is the way to spiritual maturity. Remember what Paul said in verse 3? He said, having begun in the Spirit, are you so foolish as to think that that having begun in the Spirit, you're now going to be made perfect through the flesh? So we would be foolish if we think that the flesh is the way to spiritual maturity. But listen, we have got to see right here what the flesh is referring to because it's not referring to what we most often uh, think it is. 
Because most of the time when we think of the flesh, we think of things like sexual immorality. We think of things like drunkenness. We think of things like greed. We think of things like theft or hatred or murder. And yes, indeed, those are all manifestations of the flesh. But there's another manifestation of the flesh, and that's the one that Paul's talking about here. And the one that he's talking about here is religious observance. And see, the the crazy thing is, this is the one that we would never really think is the flesh. We think that, that, you know, devout religious observance is that, well, this is the way to get perfected. No. Now, let's never forget that the most religious people, the most devout people religiously probably ever in the history of the world are the ones who put the Son of God on a cross. They're called the Pharisees. And those guys were religious They were devout. They followed the law to the T, but they had no faith in the God they were claiming to worship. And so when that God came among them, they rejected him and crucified him. So listen, here's my point. You can be devoutly religious and yet be totally in the flesh. You can be deeply religious and not be a Christian. And as a Christian... The problem for us sometimes is that we fall into this idea that somehow it's through the flesh that we're going to be perfected in the spirit. Now, I think that with the Galatians, Paul is primarily dealing in the context with the justification issue. And the justification is the salvation issue. And that's what he's seeking to correct here. But you can also take this whole idea and you can take it a step further into sanctification. Let me just explain that word. Uh, Justification means our standing before God, we're declared righteous when we're justified. Sanctification is our progress in our growing into the image of Christ. It's It's our maturing in the faith. And now here's what we can do. Here's what Christians often do. We know that we are justified by grace through faith, but sometimes we think that we're sanctified by works. And sometimes what we do is we, you know, we've received Christ by faith, and then we, at at times, for, for a variety of reasons, we start to bring in religious observances, thinking that in doing so, we're going to make ourselves more acceptable to God. And that's where we would be doing the same thing that the Galatians did, where we are foolishly thinking that the way to spiritual maturity is through the flesh. In this case, becoming religious. And when I say religious, what I'm talking about here is adopting rituals and things. Remember the Galatians, they're, they're believing in Jesus. Everything is great. They're just loving the Lord. It's all good. It's all wonderful. And then it's like, oh no, man, you got to be circumcised. Oh, hey, are you keeping the Sabbath day? And oh, but what, what about the dietary laws? And you know, you can't do this. And that's the kind of thing. Now, we're not going to necessarily embrace the law of Moses, but we can embrace a lot of other things. And this has happened all too often among Christians. And I want to just illustrate this by telling you a a little bit of my own experience, my own story back years ago when I was young. 
And, and I, I and a number of my friends, we went through this same kind of a thing. You know, where we started out and man, we got saved and it was just so dynamic and wonderful and it was so joyful and boy, we were reading God's word and we were praying and we were sharing our faith and we were just doing it all just kind of rather naturally, just out of love for Jesus and excitement for him. And it was all so good. And, you know, and then something happened, you know, somebody came along and just began to lay a trip on us. Somebody came along and said, well, you know, well, how, how, how many chapters in your Bible are you reading? Oh, wow. Gee, I don't know. I never really thought about chapters. I'm just reading my Bible. And it's like, well, you know, if you're not reading this many chapters, you're not really spiritual. Oh, okay. Boy, better, better read some more chapters. And well, how long are you praying? Well, I don't know. We never really timed it, but uh, maybe we should, uh, oh gosh, how long are we praying? And then, well, you know, how many people have you led to Christ? Well, we didn't, we weren't really counting, but maybe we should count. And, uh, you know, we just started getting into these weird trips. And it was people that came along and laid these weird trips on us. And in some cases, it came in the form of, of maybe a book. You know, somebody handed me a book of how to have a, you know, the deeper life. And it's like, oh, the deeper life, boy, you know, surely I want that. And we got sucked into this legalistic thing. And all of that, you know, one of the reasons why Galatians, this passage, one of the reasons why it, it speaks to me so loudly is because it's like, I lived this. I remember this. Because, man, I remember those early days where there was joy and there was love and there was just passion and excitement and, you know, just being together as God's people and coming to church. It was all just so good was so awesome. It was so free. We were just loving Jesus and it was all good. And man, our lives were being changed. We were going through radical changes, but we weren't, you know, thinking so much about it. It was just happening. But then, man, something happened. And I think it's just like with the Galatians. Paul left that place and he's like, boy, this is, I don't even want to go. This place is so great. But then he heard the news a few months later the miracles have stopped. The joy has disappeared. There's conflict and tension and fights and disputes and all of this stuff going on. Man, what happened? Well, the flesh came in. It came in as a religious thing. And listen, we have got to be careful. We've got to watch out for that. You know, John Henry and I were talking earlier about, you know, both of us, of course, we came from a Roman Catholic background. And, and in Roman Catholicism, I mean, you know, quite frankly, it is just what it is. It is, it is uh, it's a works-based uh, doctrine of salvation. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, and yes, he paid the price, but, you know, you, you've got to make the contribution with your own good works as well. And so, you know, coming out of uh, Catholicism, for me, there was that initial state of freedom, but I easily got sucked back into the legalism because that was kind of where I was at all my whole life anyway. Just in my, even as bad as my uh, commitment to Catholicism was, I at least knew enough of it to live with guilt. And so it was easy for me to get back under that kind of guilt. And so I, I bought into this, but then it was not just like, you know, we had to make sure, or I had to make sure that I was um, reading more Bible chapters than the next person, or that I was, I was talking to a friend this morning, his wife said, man, you just described my husband. It's like he had to read his Bible an hour every day. And if, and if it was 59 minutes, he'd be condemned for the rest of the day. It had to be 60 minutes. <laughs> and, and these are the kinds of things that can happen. But, but I remember back in those days, you know, it wasn't simply 
that it starts out with, with you and, oh, and you go under this thing, but then somehow it always works itself out to where you, you then got to impose this on other people. So it's not only that you need to be living like this, but now everybody does. And those that aren't, then you're there to criticize them. You're there to condemn them. You're there to rebuke them and all of this kind of thing. And when I, I got sucked up in this, and um, I'll never forget, and Cheryl reminded me earlier of this, but I remember coming home from work one day, and we were newly married, we were young, and uh, so I came home, and I just said, so, you know, honey, what, what have you been doing today? And, you know, she told me she had taken, our, our daughter was really just, you know, very small at the time, and she'd done something with the baby, and she'd shopped, and she'd, you know, I don't know what she'd done, you know, maybe she'd watched TV or something. And I was like, hmm, well, how much Bible did you read today? She's like, well, I read a little bit of my Bible. Well, how many chapters? Well, why are you asking me this? Well, because I just want to know, how spiritual are you? How many chapters did you read? And, you know, Cheryl's no pushover, so we, uh, she pushed back pretty hard, you know, like, you don't tell me how many chapters I'm going to read in my Bible. I'm going to read whatever chapters I want to read in my Bible. And... <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 so, you know, this, this kind of, you know, this thing started. And, uh, and, you know, and at one point, she said to me when I was badgering her over her lack of spirituality from my standpoint, because I was so righteous at the time, she said to me, she said, you know, you are the most prideful person I have ever met. And I looked at her and I said, oh, honey, you don't know. I am actually the most humble person in the world. <laughs> and yes, the, the tragedy is I really was serious. I, I, thought I, I really thought I was. So I was just completely deluded and caught up in all of this crazy legalism. And it was so crazy. And so, like I said, I, I can relate to the Galatians because I went from that place and, and it was like, you know, I, I remember, um, I'll tell a couple of quick stories here that are so funny. Uh, I really got into reading um, these, uh, you know, kind of deeper spiritual life books. And here's, here's a book that I do not recommend anybody to read, but I read it, I ingested it, I believed it, I preached it. And it was a book called Why Revival Terries by a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. And, um, and I remember just, you know, and that, that book is so legalistic, it's not even funny. So just... You know, that's my perspective on the book. Still today, I, I used to, I thought that many years after the fact and after I had grown out of that, I looked back and I thought, wow, you know, I was just way too immature to read that book and kind of chew the meat and spit out the bones. So a few years ago, I picked it up again to read it now as a mature, more established Christian. And I read it again and I thought, oh, wow, no, this thing is just a, bu a bunch of legalism. So anyway, um, I, I had really gotten into that. And then I got to the point of, I started to think that, you know, you know, Pastor Chuck, he's just this grace thing. You know, he's just way too into grace. You know, doesn't he understand that, man, we got to preach holiness and we got to preach righteousness. And I'll never forget, we were driving home one day from church because I used to, he'd pick me up in the mornings and we would drive here. This is when I was really young. And, uh, and then we would drive home in the afternoon. And, and when everything was said and done, I remember we were driving home one day and I said, you know, Chuck, I said, if, you know, I just think we have a, you know, we're, we're preaching like a... Um, like an easy believism here at Calvary, you know, and we just, you know, we really don't understand grace. And, you know, would, I, I, I was thinking we should invite Leonard Ravenhill here to preach. And as only Chuck could do, 
He just sat there in silence, driving the car. And then he finally did his classic, oh. And, and I just went on like, yeah, because, you know, there, there's not holiness and we need to be more righteous. And, you know, we need to. And, you know, I just went on and on. And I think I was like 24 years old at the time. And he just wisely ignored everything I said and uh, never sent out that invitation. But I've been there, done that. I did the legalistic thing. And it just quenches the spirit. And, you know, I remember back then, I, I was always struggling with, you know, oh, I got to give this up for the Lord and I got to give that up for the Lord. And for me, you know, I grew up surfing. That was my whole deal. And I love surfing and all that. And, you know, and then so I was always like, oh, you know, surfing's a God. I got to lay it down. And I come home and tell Cheryl, you know, honey, I got to sell my surfboard. And she's like, okay, whatever, you know, and. Uh, you know, I just think the Lord is dealing with me about it. So I'd sell my surfboard and, you know, for six months, I'd be preaching against surfing to everybody, you know, and, <laughs> and then I'd show up at home with a surfboard. She's like, wait, what are you doing with a surfboard? I thought God told you you needed to get rid of it. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. I, I just need to go surfing. And, you know, I did that two or three times. Joey Baran actually did that with me as well. We kind of both got into that for a while. But listen, it, these are the kinds of things that we can get carried off into. And that's not it. That's, that's not it. The Lord's given us all things richly to enjoy. And of course, things need to be in a balance. And, and of course, there can be things that, you know, can, can be, be out of whack in our lives. And we need to get all of that together. But, you know, in the back of my mind, this was the problem. In the back of my mind, somehow I was going to attain a, a holier position, a more powerful position, if I just, you know, gave these things up. And, and it kind of was a throwback to my my Catholic upbringing, because there, you know, there very, there is very much an idea that, that you need to sort of, you know, the, the, you need to make yourself suffer in order to really make yourself worthy enough to be God's child. And that, that's, that's very much ingrained there. So, and, and in a lot of ways, it does, you don't even have to be Roman Catholic. It just, it's, it's natural to us. And this is all of the stuff that we're talking about here. And when Paul says, having begun in the spirit, are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? Do you think that going and just adding this, this list of, well, I've got to read my Bible for 60 uh, minutes exactly. I've got to read, you know, I can't read one chapter and get ministered to. No, I got to read 10 chapters. Or I can't pray for a half hour. No, I got to pray for three hours. Or I can't just share my faith as the Lord opens a door. No, I got to go out and make sure I've witnessed to five people a day. Or, you know, I, I, no, I, I can't, uh, boy, you know, I can't go to a movie or I can't watch TV or I can't enjoy a sport or all of that. You know, that, all of that's the flesh. No, I'm in the flesh. I've, I've, I've adopted the, the flesh in the form of religion and I'm quenching the spirit. And that, of course, becomes something that is so unattractive to the unbeliever. And many times, you know, people have been turned off from the faith because they look at a Christian as morbid and against anything and everything that has any semblance of fun or enjoyment. And, you know, it's, it's just a sad state of affairs. And the enemy is the one who fools us into thinking that this is the way to go. 
and it just it it uh, wreaks havoc across the board. So, in the end, this is what I want us to know: we've begun in the spirit, and you don't really advance beyond the spirit. This is, this is it. So now. What we do, we don't, we don't go out and add some religious system to what we already have. We now just cultivate the life of the Spirit. And so we have begun in the Spirit. We remain in the Spirit, obeying and serving Christ simply out of love for love's sake because of his great love for us. And we're just reciprocating that love back to him. You see, it's a love relationship. It's where we enjoy our Father and He loves us. And, and you know, I'll, I'll just say this in, in right here at the very end. I, I have done this myself over the years and I've said in many sermons where I've heard this done and I've even heard preachers talk about it and I have come to believe that it's just so absolutely not the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, there are some people that believe that it is our job as preachers to make you feel as miserable as we possibly can. So you leave church just feeling like a loser who's never going to get it together, and you got to go out and try harder. God forgive us, because we are the children of God already. We are saved. God is pleased with us. He loves us. We're his kids. Now, of course, there are kids that are rebellious sometimes and they need correction. And there are certainly times when somebody is going to come into church and they are going to feel guilty because they are guilty. But the answer is not some legalistic thing. The answer is just repentance and receiving God's grace again. But I want you to know and I want us to know and, and I, I have learned this over the years. You know, God loves me. He's not mad at me. He's not disappointed at me. He's not wanting to just constantly slap me around because, you know, I'm just not living up. When I think that way, it's because I put a standard that God hasn't put. And, and you need to know that. God loves you. And let his love for you in the cross. And this is where we come back around to the gospel. Like I said earlier in our teaching in Galatians, the gospel doesn't just save us. It's the gospel that sanctifies us. Because when we come back to the gospel, we really just come back around to, man, Jesus gave everything for me. He gave up his life. He died for me. And how could I do anything less than just reciprocate that, just giving my life back to him in return? So God help us to do that. And now, let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, I'm holding in my hands Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. This is a book you've been trying to get me to read, and I'm going to. Yes. But tell me why I should read it again. You've got to read this book. This book is tremendous. Rebecca is brilliant, and she kind of takes on all of the current questions and opposing views that come up against those who hold the Christian faith and the the title of the book. You know, she's confronting Christianity. People are saying, well, Christians believe this and Christians did that. And she's just taking 12 of the current hardest questions that Christians are facing 
questions like, doesn't religion cause violence? Or how can you take the Bible literally? Doesn't Christianity denigrate women? Isn't Christianity homophobic? And she does a superb job in addressing these questions. And I think anybody today who's seriously thinking about what's going on in the culture and engaged in the culture out in the workplace or wherever, this is a book you want to read because this is going to tremendously help you to have a good response when people bring these questions up because many are confronting Christianity and this book will help you to know how to answer those who are confronting Christianity. Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book Confronting Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin to prepare you to answer some of culture's most difficult questions regarding Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.